Don't you just love it when you get a resolution at the end of a story, especially if it's a good one? I'd hoped for that on Thursday night, but hey, Bulldogs didn't win. So, but just like, you know, whenever you get to the end of a movie or a book and it doesn't have a resolution, I get so angry at that. I'm like, ah, oh, I just wish that I knew how it all ended. Well, one of the great things about the book of Ruth is that we do get to the end and we do know how it ends and it ends so much better than it did whenever it began. So, good morning. My name is Hunter Upton. I'm the associate pastor here at Getwell Church South Haven. If you're our guest, we're so glad that you're joining us for worship. Uh, this morning, we are wrapping up our sermon series in the book of Ruth, where we've been discovering this unfolding story of Naomi, of Ruth, of Boaz, and of God. How we've seen this account of unmerited kindness, of unwavering love and unchanging uh, love and unwavering loyalty, of just the beauty of, of God in a story that, that we can get wrapped up into, right? And if you haven't been with us, uh, I want to encourage you, go ahead and go back and listen to uh, the sermons. You can find them on our YouTube channel, uh, but you don't want to miss it. It's just three if you haven't joined us yet, so it's just three to catch up on uh, the first three chapters. But I want to go ahead and recap very quickly where we've been in the story and where we are uh, today. So from one tragedy to the next, we find ourselves uh, with Naomi and her family. They're leaving the land of Israel because of a famine. They find themselves in an enemy of Israel in, in Moab, the land of uh, Moab. Um, and it's there that we find that Naomi loses her husband, and then she eventually loses her two sons. And so she's left with her two daughters-in-law. Well, God and his goodness, they hear of his favor again upon Israel and how there is a harvest again. There's going to be a plentiful harvest in the land. And so Naomi sets herself uh, back to, uh, to Bethlehem, to Judah. And so um, she goes and in tow with her is her daughter-in-law, Ruth. She clung to her and, and wanted to be with her. Uh, and one of the beautiful things about that is that Naomi pledged to be, uh, Ruth pledged to be with Naomi. Why? Because she desired what Naomi had, and that's a relationship with the one and true living God. And so they make it back to Bethlehem just in time for the barley harvest. And it's during this time that these widows, they, they've returned to a land, there's a plentiful harvest, but yet they need something to eat. They've got to be able to survive. And so Ruth sets out to glean from some of the fields. Uh, they have this hope that even in the times of the judges, when, when this time of everybody did what was right in their own eyes, that surely, hopefully, Lord willing, someone has, has still followed what the Lord set out in, in a law to say, allow others to glean from your fields. Don't take all of it. And so, um, quote, as it turned out, I love when scripture said that, as it turned out, uh, Naomi finds her, uh, Ruth finds herself in a field of a man named Boaz, who just so happens to be one of Naomi's relatives. And so Boaz, he, he hears about Ruth, he, he notices her, he admires her character, and he wishes to provide uh, not just for Ruth, but also for Naomi, who she has clung to and come back to this land for. And so once uh, there's this beautiful romance that starts to happen, and Naomi being a good mother-in-law, she's already started planning this wedding. And so she tells Ruth, you need to go and you need to make your intentions known uh, to Boaz that you want to marry and that you would love for him to redeem uh, our family. And so 
One night at the threshing floor, Ruth makes her, her request known to, to Boaz. And Boaz, he pledges to redeem and to marry uh, so that their family can live. Uh, the only thing is that there is technically someone who is next in line to be able to do that. So he's got to run through some procedures to find out if he can do this uh, at all. And so in that moment of what's going to happen, that's where we pick up in our story today. So if you've got a Bible or a device you read from, we're going to be in Ruth chapter four, and we're going to pick up in verse one. Uh, but Boaz, she, he wishes to marry Ruth uh, and to redeem Naomi and Elimelech's uh, family line. Uh, but he wants to do it the right way because he's a man of integrity. He's a man of God, and he wants to do it the right way. So that's where we pick up here, uh, where he's starting that process. Ruth chapter one, uh, chapter four, verse one. Meanwhile, Boaz went up to the town gate and sat down just as the guardian redeemer he had mentioned came along. Boaz said, come over here, my friend, and sit down. So he went over and sat down. Boaz took 10 of the elders of the town and said, sit here, and they did so. Then he said to the guardian redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from Moab, is selling the piece of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. I thought I should bring the matter to your attention and suggest that you buy it in the presence of these seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, do so. But if you will not, tell me so I will know. For no one has the right to do it except you, and I am next in line. I will redeem it, he said. Then Boaz said, on the day that you buy the land from Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the dead man's widow, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property. At this, the guardian redeemer said, then I cannot redeem it because I might endanger my own estate. You redeem it yourself. I cannot do it. Now, in earlier times in Israel, for the redemption and transfer of property to become final, one party took off his sandal and gave it to the other. This was the method of legalizing transactions in Israel. So the guardian redeemer said to Boaz, buy it yourself. And he removed his sandal. Then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, today you are my witnesses that I have brought, bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilian, and Malan. I have also acquired Ruth, the Moabite, Malan's widow, as my wife, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property, so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from his hometown. Today you are my witnesses. And so this, this moment of tension and drama is what we're feeling here. We, we wish, if you've been with us, we've, we've walked for three chapters, and we wish to see Ruth and Naomi taken care of. We've seen how Boaz noticed Ruth and invited her in and showed this extraordinary kindness. It's that word has said, that faithful love in action. It's a word that is all throughout this book of Ruth and displayed all throughout Scripture. It's a word that oftentimes is described of God, of God's loving kindness, of his faithful love in action that he pours out over and over and over again. But we see this in Boaz. He desires to redeem Ruth and Naomi, but there's this person that stands in the way, someone who, who is the next of kin to Elimelech. And the Hebrew, it carries this idea that this next of kin who's never named is, is kind of Mr. So-and-so. This Mr. So-and-so, he's, he's the one who can redeem it. He's the next of kin. And they don't give his name. And maybe it's because whoever wrote down the story of Ruth didn't want to bring shame upon his family because he didn't redeem 
uh, Ruth and Naomi, right? Uh, maybe it's because it really just doesn't matter all that much. But at first he says, I'm going to purchase this land. This sounds great. Maybe this Mr. So-and-so thought that it was a good bargain. I mean, who, who doesn't like a good deal in some land, right? Um, but Boaz continues to read the fine print to him. It's not just the land. You also acquire Ruth, the Moabite, with the deal. And when you would redeem someone's land, you also re- re- you acquired uh, the remaining family under your care and provision. And possibly it was that Mr. So-and-so didn't know that Ruth was part of the deal, but she was. And so he couldn't do that for whatever reason. So he passes the opportunity on to Boaz. And what we see is a really bizarre ritual today. I'm glad that we don't want to close our mortgages and car, car deals with taking off a sandal. But we see this happen where it, it, it is, it is um, Boaz stepping up to the plate and, and the deal is sealed. Uh, the agreement is, is final. But Boaz, he displays this his said, this faithful love in action. And going before the elders... And the kinsman, uh, this next of kinsman, uh, to redeem Ruth and Naomi uh, and Elimelech's line. Boaz does this. He steps up to the plate just as God does for us. God does the same for us. You see, redemption is costly. It's not free. It's not just a, a, a little bitty deal and you're done. No, you purchased the land and you also acquired their family to take care of for their life. Redemption has a high cost. And unlike Mr. So-and-so, we have, a, we have a God who counted the cost for you and me to redeem us and give us life. God sent his son Jesus to live a life of his said, that faithful love in action, even to the cross so that we could be adopted as sons and daughters and be given life, to be given a life that we couldn't have without God. And so Boaz, he purchases the land from Naomi. And I love it. one thing that we don't get. I wish we all knew Hebrew a little bit better, but the nuance at the beginning of verse 10, it's not just, and he acquired Ruth. It's, and more importantly, Ruth is part of this package. Ruth becomes his wife. More importantly, Ruth becomes his wife. What the Bible shows in the New Testament, which brings explanation to the Old Testament, is that Ruth represents for us the Gentiles. Uh, That's all of the people who are not ethnic Jews, about how God's heart and desire is for the whole world, not just one family, but the whole world to be in a right relationship with him, that he offers salvation to all who would receive. And so we find that Boaz and Ruth, they get married. Uh, Naomi, Ruth, and their husband's line, they, they, they are redeemed. And then something really astonishing happens. And I love this. It's very prophetic, if you will. And we find it uh, picking up in verse 11. Let's read it together. It says, Then the elders and all the people at the gate said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the family of Israel. May you have standing in Ephrathah, And be famous in Bethlehem. Through the offspring the Lord gives you by this young woman, may your family be like that of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. What a blessing and prayer this is for Boaz and Ruth, this happy couple. They prayed that Ruth would be as blessed as Rachel and Leah, two names that if you know anything about Genesis, are the two women who are the, the wives to Jacob. 
who from them, that family line, you get the 12 tribes of Israel. And so for any Israelite to have said that kind of blessing over a foreigner, over an outsider, over a Moabite at that is such a huge deal. They pray that she would be blessed on the same level by God as, as, as Rachel and Leah and that the Lord would shower great favor upon Boaz and Ruth, that through this couple, a great child, a great family line would appear. Ruth, by this redemption, she was no longer a foreign, destitute widow, but she was blessed as that of a mother of high regard and with a future beyond all that she could imagine. I mean, her story, what they pray is that her story would be wrapped up in the story of God. Can you imagine what was going on in Ruth's mind at that moment? I mean, she's probably thinking back to, to just years earlier whenever she was in Moab and she had just lost her husband. What, what was going to lay ahead for her as she's, as she's in this? I mean, I don't think in a million years she could imagine herself standing at this gate and receiving this type of, of blessing. She had a bleak future and yet now it looked bright and it was full of hope of one who was to come. She wouldn't have received this blessing, though, if it hadn't have been for her said, her faithful love and action toward Naomi. If she wouldn't have clung herself to her, then I don't think that she would have received this blessing. And God, he blesses our said, But God also uses our said to bring blessing, to show others his said, as well as Pastor Jonathan said last week. And so we fast forward probably at least nine months and let's see what happens uh, next in the story, picking up in verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive and she gave birth to a son. The women said to Naomi, praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law, who loves you and is better to you than seven sons, has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The women living there said, Naomi has a son. And they named him Obed. And he was the father of Jesse, the father of David. We see that it, Ruth and, and Boaz, they have this child and, and, and what a blessing that is. But then we see them leave the story and we're left with Naomi. Remember, we started the story with her. But we're left with Naomi and the child, the heir of her late husband, Elimelech's line. The story, it began with tragedy and with loss. And it's now ending with new life and redemption Naomi, who, who's the one who returned to Bethlehem saying, call me bitter, <laughs> that's my new name, is now holding a son, a child who will continue her family line. I imagine that this was a much better resolution to the story than she ever could have imagined after the loss of her husband and her two sons. Now the name Obed, it means servant. Think about Obed's mother, who was a servant to, to Naomi. Interesting. And I'm not sure if Naomi knew the significance of, of, of what God was going to do through this family line, but God had a 
plan. He always has a plan and God has been at work redeeming and working out all of this every step of the way. Now the book ends with a part that usually if you're like me when you're reading through the Bible you tend to kind of skip over. Uh, but it ends with a genealogy. So I don't want us to miss it. So we're going to read through it. So bear with me, if you will. Let's look at verse 18. This then is the family line of Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Amenadab. Amenadab, the father of Nashan. Nashan, the father of Salmon. Salmon, the father of Boaz. Boaz, the father of Obed. Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David. Now, I know genealogies aren't really all that riveting, I guess, if it's not yours, but this one is special and really has huge significance for us and for the entire world. So just a, a few people and things to, to take out from this is that Perez was the son of Judah. He was one of the sons of Jacob who became, you know, who was one of the 12 tribes of, of Israel. Uh, but Perez was the son of an illicit affair uh, with Tamar, uh, one of, who was Judah's uh, daughter-in-law. That's one of the stories in, uh, of God's people just being wicked and disobedient. But God is always at work redeeming. So one of the things we see in this family tree is that God is always at work redeeming. So when we look at this genealogy, uh, and we sometimes look at our own genealogies, there's some unfavorable stories, right, in, in that family tree. But that doesn't mean that God doesn't take and work and redeem as we go along in this life. He brings good out of bad. That is what our God does. Now, the second thing to note is that Salmon's wife, who Boaz's mother, uh, is, uh, is if you've ever read through uh, the book of Joshua, uh, her name is Rahab. Rahab. She uh, was from Jericho. But Rahab, she leaves her pagan life behind to follow God, just as Ruth did. So not only is this, this family tree full of redemption stories, it's also a picture of God's heart to bring in the outsider. He's not just about people who share DNA, but he's about bringing in the outsider. Boaz, the son of an outsider, marries an outsider. Uh, and he eventually becomes the great-grandfather of King David, the most renowned king in all of Israel, who is an ancestor of who? Jesus. Jesus. Jesus Christ. All of these people are in the storyline of the Messiah. The story is just is so much more than just about Ruth. It's so much more than just about a widow who gets remarried and who's able to have a child. It's about God working through loss and redemption and depression and longing and famine. It's about God working in all of those things to bring about redemption. That is what our God does. He does all of this even as the Israelites all throughout the period of the judges continue to spiral further and further into wickedness. God had a plan and God's plan had been set into motion even if people couldn't see it yet. It's one of the things that we get to see this side of the cross is that we've seen this plan being played out. Jesus. See, the book of Ruth reminds us that the Old Testament is about the story of someone is coming 
someone who one day will redeem once and for all. And this King David, he would be a great earthly king. He would bring stability to a kingdom that was in such chaos and turmoil, but he's not the answer to the sin problem. It would be Jesus, be his ancestor, who would be the one, this not only earthly king, but also divine king of Jesus, who would bring salvation to all people. Ruth and Naomi, they were helpless and hopeless in their situation. And then Boaz comes along to the rescue, to redeem, and ultimately provide a future for them that they could not have otherwise. And through this action, the whole world is blessed because of Jesus. You see, their story, their story of hopelessness and helplessness is our story. We identify with them. That is the life that we live. But yet there is one story that redeems our story. That's Jesus. Jesus. God takes our story as bleak as it is and he provides a future for us because of his has said his faithful love in action. We see, his, we see God's faithful love in action on display in Jesus Christ. God desires for all people to be reconciled to him, all people to come into a relationship with him, whether they're Jew or Gentile or black or white or Shelby County or DeSoto County or rich or poor, whatever. He desires for all of us, all people, that is God's heart, that they would come and know and experience Life, experience redemption from all the things that we deal with, all the burdens that we carry, all the sin that keeps us shackled down. God wants to break. God wants to make something new with you, with me, with us, with this world. And Ruth and Naomi, man, could they have imagined back in Moab what God was going to do? I don't think so. But yet they were faithful along the way, trusting God, seeing God's patience and faithfulness every step of the way. And even in the dark days of the judges, when the story of Ruth takes place, they longed for one who would come and who would bring healing that they needed. Are you in dark days? Do you need hope? Redemption is available right now, right now in Jesus. What are we waiting for? Why why don't we just, Christ came, Christ counted the cost for your redemption and said, you are worth it. That is the offer that he gives to you today in this moment and always. You are worth it. I want you. I will pay that price. I will redeem. That is the offer that we have, friends. And that's the offer that is made available to all of us today. Let Jesus take your story, rewrite it, change it, bring new meaning to it, give you something better than anything you could ever imagine. Surrender yourself to him. Surrender yourself to his loving kindness. See, we're entering into a season called Christmas. The church has traditionally called it Advent. That's the days leading up to, to the Christmas celebration. It's a time of preparation for what God is, is doing and bringing his son to this earth. The one who does bring redemption, the one who took on flesh, who dwelled among us and who we see the father's heart, the father's has said, 
for the world? Do you have a longing for redemption? Is it in your heart? What Ruth and Naomi and all of Israel longed for, we find in a manger in Bethlehem. Remember Bethlehem, the city of bread. We'll find the baby who will be the bread of life there, Jesus. See, our King has come. It's a time of invitation. Our King has come and he will come again. And that's what we celebrate this season. So I want to invite you to a few things as we look forward to this season as we walk into it. First, I want you to just prepare your heart for what God is wanting to do with you. That's not easy sometimes, but prepare your heart. Open yourself up. Open your story up to Jesus. Let him have the pen. Let him write it. But open yourself up to him. Make room. Make room in your heart, in your mind, in your time, in your life, in your family, in your job. Make time, make room for Jesus. Repent of your sin and turn to Jesus. Draw near to our loving and gracious and kind Savior. And then finally, just, just open your hands up and surrender. Surrender to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. What are we waiting for? New life lies ahead for all of us who will just open ourselves up and allow God to redeem because Jesus is that ultimate redeemer. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the truth of your scripture. Lord, we thank you for the story that you have written from, from ages ago, Lord, and how relevant it is to us even today. Lord, help us to trust you every step of the way, knowing that you are at work redeeming all things for your good, Lord, and for your glory. Lord, help us be people who are minded after you, who, whose heart is set for you, Lord, whose lives are open to let you write a story greater than what we could ever imagine. Lord, would you display your said through our lives as we are obedient to be said to others. Lord, we thank you that you took that step of faithful love and action for us all that time ago with Jesus on the cross, Jesus in the manger, Jesus lived his life, and Jesus on the cross that it brings redemption for each of us. And so, Father, I pray that by your spirit you would move in this room, you would move online, Lord, you'd move on every ear that is hearing this, Lord, that we'd be drawn closer and closer into relationship with you, Lord, not just today, but in this season of Christmas as we await the coming of our King, our Savior, our Redeemer, Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray and by the power of the Holy Spirit, amen. In a second, we're gonna sing a song of response and I'll invite you to, to sing it. Uh, don't hold back because the words of the song are so true. Our God is so good. And friends, our God is taking graves and turning them into gardens. It's the truth of, of the gospel. And so let's proclaim that together. Let's stand and let's sing together.